in the backwoods of America. We have climbed the highest mountains, searched the densest forest, dragged the swamps, and scoured the prairies to find our leader, retired U.S. Marine gunny, Bud Cornwell. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. Welcome back, Patriots. This is the Gunny. And you're on the Patriot cause. Have you ever actually been to an event and witnessed the making of U.S. history? I had that opportunity last week when I was able to attend an Article 5 simulated convention in Williamsburg, Virginia on August 4th, 3rd and 4th, and they adopted proposed amendments to our Constitution in the United States. Now, mind you, this is a simulation. And in this Article 5 simulated convention, there were 49 states in America that were represented in Williamsburg, Virginia. Now, the simulation was put on or hosted by the Convention of States Foundation. And six amendments came out of the simulation after careful and heated sometimes debate and deliberation to ensure that these amendments were worded correctly and would have a great chance of being ratified by the states after the real convention was held. So, there are three proposed section titles, you may say, of this Article 5 simulated convention. The first one is Federal Term Limits and Judicial Jurisdiction. The second one is Fiscal Restraints. And the third one was Federal Legislative and Executive Jurisdiction. So these amendments fell within those three major title sections. Before we get started in talking about the amendments that were passed at this simulated Article 5 convention, I must tell you, I am a staff member of Convention of States. However, we, none of the staff, were actually involved in determining any of these amendments. It was done by the commissioners. Some of the commissioners are legislators, legislators, which was the majority of the commissioners. But we also had people representing their state that were not legislators, like lawyers and doctors and whatever job that they had. But they came to this Article 5 simulated convention. And I tell you, with all my heart, I have never seen anything like it, and it gives me and should give you hope that there is a possibility, a high possibility, that 
the states can come together with a real convention and propose amendments very similar to this and change our Constitution or amend the Constitution so that we can control and put restrictions on this federal government. So the first thing I want to talk about is a little bit of a history lesson. Those of you that does, do not know what federalism is, you need to do the research. Just go to Google, type in Federalist Papers, and it's going to give you lots of information about what federalism is. But the bottom line is this. It refers to a system of government that divides power between member units and a common governing authority. So the member units are the states. In the United States, the federal government is the common governing body to which the individual state governments belong to. However, what has happened, just like during that time frame when the colonists were having massive tyranny, taxes by the English, they came up with the Federalist Papers and eventually the Constitution of the United States to give the power to the states, the governing bodies of individuals represented by their states. These are the member units that the Constitution refers to as the states having the ultimate power. So go check it out. Read about federalism and the federal papers. So the first amendment, which they did six of them, is part of the first one is the federal term limits and judicial jurisdiction. Proposal number one. Proposed amendment number one. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to read through all of these different proposals. There's a lot of information that you need to read. But I'm going to bring you the meat and potatoes part of it. You know, what does the actual guts of each of these amendments say? You can check it out. You can read the full six amendments by going to the link in the show notes and see and read the full information that is there. But I'm going to bring you the important parts and break it down simply. So the first proposal, section one, is this. No person shall be elected to serve in the House of Representatives more than nine full terms or 18 years. Well, how do they determine that? Take two years that they're elected times nine, 18. You know, simple math, unless... You're doing that common core crap, and you'll know t no telling what you'll come up with. And they'll probably equal two times nine is 500, and then they can serve 500 years. Get it, right? The second part of this section one is no elected or appointed to serve in the Senate more than three full terms. Three, they're elected for six years, which means they can only do three terms. Six times three, 18 no, again, not using the core mathematics, all that stuff that they have in place today. 
So this article shall not disqualify any person from completing a term, a term, in the Congress to which that person was elected or appointed prior to ratification of this article. What that means is, let's say that it gets ratified and this becomes part of the Constitution and you have done three of your six years as a senator, it is not going to say or tell you that you can't finish out that term. So you can still complete your other three-year term as a senator. This will not stop that. However, once you get reelected, then this goes into effect. No person shall serve in Congress for more than 24 years in total. So then you have people that go back and forth. They go into the House, they go into the Senate, etc. So let's say I did 10 years in the House. What that means is I can only do eight years in the Senate if I get elected in the Senate because 24 years total. So proposal two of this first amendment is section one. The Supreme Court of the United States shall consist of nine judges, any six of whom shall constitute a quorum. This needs to go into the Constitution to prevent any of the parties from putting more and more judges, in other words, stacking the Supreme Court in their favor. This is very, very important, and it should go in there. Section 2, each of the several states shall have standing to bring any action challenging the constitutionality of any action of the executive branch or enacted of Congress. So if any of these laws come out, then the states can reject it or challenge it and say it's not constitutional and therefore we're not going to abide to it. Now, a lot of people know the term nullifying. And what nullifying means, the states have the power to nullify anything that comes down through the federal government. Absolutely not. The only thing that they can do is challenge it if it's unconstitutional. Let's say your state constitution says that you can't do this, the federal government can't do this. Right now, it doesn't matter. The federal government is the boss, is the tyranny of the whole nation. And part of the Federalist Papers was to explain that the states, not the people as a whole, determine what the federal government can and cannot do. The states do that. But that's gone. It's long gone. We're right back in the same situation when we had tyranny from England over the colonies because the crown, as they call it, controlled everything that the colonies did, and they had no say whatsoever to fight back against the tyranny. This is where we're at. The second title or second part of these amendments is the fiscal restraints. Real simple. Our government spends billions and trillions of dollars on whatever. 
and they never balance the budget. The government should only spend money that they have every year. In other words, the budget is balanced. They bring in X number of dollars and they can only spend X number of dollars every single year. And if they fall outside of that budget, then it is unconstitutional and the court system can hold Congress in contempt and make them change that budget proposal to match a balanced budget. Therefore, it will never go to the president's desk ever unless it's balanced. Then the president, according to the Constitution, has the ability to sign off on it or veto it, send it back to Congress and say, do this again. So that's part of the fiscal restraints. So section one of proposal one is this. Congress shall adopt a preliminary fiscal year budget no later than the first Monday in May for the following fiscal year and submit said budget to the president for consideration. So they have to have a budget done by May. For instance, May of 2024, they have determined the budget for 2025. That's what this is all about. They have to come up with a budget so it can go through a process of getting approval and get passed through Congress by May of the year of the fiscal year prior to the next year. The total expenditures shall include all expenditures of the United States. No more hidden under the table, pork money, none of that. It is the expenditures of the United States, including those for payments of interest on the debt. So now that's got to be in the balanced budget. We are paying interest. So that interest every year has to be put in there, which reduces the money allocated for the federal government to spend because it becomes a line item in the budget. You know, like pay for roads, pay for whatever. All that gets there. And you also got to include the interest payments. Total revenue shall include all revenue of the United States, except that derived from borrowing any surplus of revenue or over expenditures in any fiscal year shall be applied to outstanding federal debt. This is how we get control of the federal spending and the massive debt that we're passing to our grandchildren, our great grandchildren, etc. So that's the first two of the three titled amendment sections in the Article 5 simulated convention. Before we take a break, yes, I am a staff member of Convention of States, but I want to tell you my interpretation of these amendments and my personal comments on what I believe is mine. It has nothing to do with COS. I am not representing the Convention of States. I am telling you how I feel about these amendments. Make no mistake, I am not speaking on behalf 
of the Convention of States. So let's take a break, and we're going to talk about the last or the number three title of this Article 5 simulation amendments that were passed. So don't go away. You're not going to want to miss this one because this is huge. October of this year, I'm going to celebrate 60 years on this planet. And I remember Ray Charles recording that song. 
Think about that. I, I was here alive listening and heard that song, and I live it today. So we're going to talk about what I would consider the last three amendments to the Constitution as proposed by this Article 5 convention. As the most important, these are the three that are going to give the power back to the states and virtually eliminate the tyranny of the federal government. If we go to a convention, these amendments is going to be attacked every single day in every way by the swamp in D.C. and any state legislator that believes in the power of the federal government. So this is the federal legislative and executive jurisdiction proposal number two. Before I get into that, do you remember civics talking about, you know, how things happen in history? Well, have you ever heard of the compact theory? The compact theory in the context of the American federalism, which we talked about, can be traced back to the Mayflower Compact of 1620, which was a contract between the King of England and the Mayflower Pilgrims. The compact granted authority to the pilgrims to set up a self-governing colony in America. You heard that, right? The King of England give the Mayflower the authority to have self-governing colonies. How's that working out today? And establish the rules for governance. So that's why you have constitutions in every state. That's why you have bills passed in every state. All 13 American colonies were created under the similar grants of authority from the king to the colonial governments. So, yeah, they, maybe during the 1620s, early 1700s, the king was trying to be nice to these people, going, hey, go over to this new land, establish self-governing, all that. Yeah, and once all that was done, then he said, now I can tax the hell out of everybody because I have the tyranny to do it. You guys are prospering. You're creating a new country. Oh, wait a minute. I got to use my power, my tyranny, to control you. So this is the compact theory. The Articles of Confederation were established through a similar delegation of power from the state legislators, which ratified the Articles, to the Continental Congress. So during the Continental Congress time frame, when we were standing up creating a federal legislative government system, they used the compact theory as a principle. The proponents of the compact theory argue that the Constitution was established in the same compact government-to-government basis. Federal government to state government. We should use the compact theory. Federal government, little bitty guys, 
state government, big guys. Proponents of the social contract theory of America federalism argued power was delegated to the national government directly from the people, not from the state governments through a compact. This is why we have states. This is why the Constitution reflects states. So that each state represents the people within that state. And then those legislators send people to the federal government. In this case, the Senate used to be selected by the legislators to do what? To control the federal government. And if that person in the Senate didn't vote according to the state legislators and the people of the state, they were pulled back and replaced. Article 17 of the U.S. Constitution. Or, I'm sorry, Amendment 17. All right, so Section 1 of this one. The legislators of the state shall have authority to abrogate. Abrogate. What does that mean? It means repeal or do away with a law, right, or formal agreement. Any action of the Congress, President, or administrative agencies of the United States, administrative agencies better known as bureaucracy, whether in the form of statute, decree, order, regulation, rule, opinion, decision, or other form. This gives the full power back to the states. The federal government does whatever the states can say, you're out of here. It ain't going to happen. Take your baseball and your bat and go home. You're no longer in the game. So Section 2, such abrogation shall be effective with a simple majority of the legislators of the states declare the same provision or provisions of the federal law to be abrogated. Now what's going to happen when this goes into effect those states that have the power as a state and are against this tyranny of the federal government are going to block a whole lot of it. But then you're going to have those legislators that are in bed, connected to, by the hip, with this federal government. They're just going to let it happen, and the states are just going to follow right along just like they do today. Section 3. No government entity or official may take any action to enforce a provision of federal law after it is abrogated according to this amendment. So once the state abrogates that, the federal government cannot come back through any type of means, through judicial, legislative, or the executive branch, and try to take that decision away from the states. This should have been in the Constitution from the get-go. The state says, ain't going to happen. The federal government should not be able to do anything about it. But see, what happens is the federal government feeds so much money to the states. If the state doesn't agree, then they say, well, you're not going to get this money. Well, okay, big deal. Number four, no provision. Abrogated pursuant to this amendment may be reenacted or reissued in its original 
or substantially similar form for 10 years from the date of the abrogation. So once that's determined, for 10 years, nobody can do anything about it. It's a done deal in the papers, in the books, over. All right, the last proposal of the amendment of the Constitution is Section 1, except with the permission of the legislator of the state where the land is located, the national government shall not own, regulate, or control land or mineral rights, nor the proceeds from the sale of the same, except for the purpose expressly enumerated in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17 of the Constitution. That simple. There you have it. If we can get this in the Constitution and get people to agree to it, the state legislators, we can basically rein in this federal government and end this tyranny. This is not going to happen overnight. We understand that. First off, we got to get to a convention. We have 19 states signed right now. We need 34. Then we can go to a convention. This convention is not going to be fly-by-night, two days like it was in a simulation. It's going to be months, if not a few years, before all of this has been ironed out by all 50 state commissioners. Then it, need, it will go to Congress. Congress, by law, by the Constitution, will send that back out to all the states and then all the legislators, like we've done it in the past, have to pass and agree, in other words, ratify that amendment to the Constitution. Once we have three-quarters of the states, then it gets ratified and it becomes part of the Constitution. Three-quarters, 38 states have to ratify these changes or proposals or additions to the Constitution of the United States. So there you have it. History lesson, one way, and the results of one of the greatest events that has ever happened in America, an actual Article 5 convention simulated in Williamsburg, Virginia. Thank you very much for listening to podcast. Please share it far and wide. Send this to everybody that you know and let them know at least the states are trying to do something to rein in this federal government because the people can no longer do it. Yeah, I can vote. Go ahead and see how that's working out. You understand what I'm saying? What does your vote mean now? You understand what I'm saying? We can't trust voting for anything. If this does not work, for whatever reason, that we can't get America back through our own Constitution, there is no other hope other than our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, forgiving this country and changing the course so that we can still have liberty and freedom against tyranny in America. This is The Gunny. Out.
black and whistle ring the Liberty Bell. Let's make a Ford and a Chevy that would still last ten years like the should. The best of the free life is still yet to come The good times ain't over for good 